You're listening to the Sens Chirp Podcast, a weekly or occasional look at all things Ottawa Senators, including news, opinions, wacky rumors, drunken rants, bad jokes, overly optimistic outlooks on clearly precarious things, and more. I am your anonymous host, Sens Chirp. From the Canadian Tire Center, the home of the Ottawa Senators, General Manager Pierre Dorian will be making the 10th selection in the 2021 NHL Draft. Pierre? Thank you. I would just like to say a, uh, a hi to all our fans watching on TV. J'aimerais juste saluer tous nos partisans regardant la télévision. We can't wait to see you again on October 14th. The Ottawa Senators are proud to select Les Sénateurs d'Ottawa sont fiers de choisir from the USA National Team Development Program, Tyler Boucher. Welcome to episode 48? 36? Honestly, I have no idea what episode number this is. But what I do know is the Sense Chirp podcast is back. After a good two months of searching, I have finally located this expensive podcast microphone, and it's time to get back to work. So to recap, expansion draft, disaster. Entry draft, nothing but terrible picks. Free agency on the horizon, but honestly, what's the point? Because everybody leaves Ottawa eventually anyway. Am I doing that right, Sense Twitter? It really has been a busy couple weeks for the Senators. Joey Decord is a Kraken. Is Kraken? He's gone to Seattle. Meanwhile, Tyler Boucher is an Ottawa Senator and the online scouts are mad. We'll cover all that and more in this week's episode as the man himself, Bruce Garriock, makes a third appearance on the podcast. I'll be honest, it's basically his show now. Settle in. It's episode, I'm not sure, of the Sense Chirp Podcast. So it has been a good two months since the last episode of the Sends Chirp podcast. So as a quick recap, the format's pretty simple. Annoying intro music, I crack a beer, and then I ramble on about the Ottawa Senators until I get too drunk. But as we all know, it's the guests that continue to hold this thing together. And we have another good one lined up this week. So back by, by popular demand and by his own demand... Uh, the first three-time <laughs> guest on the Sensor Podcast, it's Bruce Garriock. Bruce, welcome back. Hey, good to see you again. How are you today? All good, man. All good. It's been uh, a busy few days for the Ottawa Senators, but the question everyone's wondering is, how do you keep getting roped into this uh, third-rate podcast? That's all good. I, I, I like to bug the other podcasters by saying you're the you're the best podcast going. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds good to me. So so here's what we're going to do. We'll kind of break it up uh, into three segments. We're recording this on Monday, uh, so sort of in the in the aftermath of the expansion draft and the entry draft and free agencies coming up. So we'll start with a bit of a recap of the expansion draft, uh, then we'll cover what happened uh, at the entry draft over the weekend, and then kind of tee up the rest of the offseason. Uh, so we'll start with expansion, which I guess feels like a month ago at this point because so much has happened, but... 
Uh, Ottawa was in a pretty great spot going into the expansion draft. Obviously, no bad outcomes. Uh, but losing Joey Decord maybe was the the least preferred option uh, on yeah. the table for Ottawa going into that process. What any thoughts on how that uh, on how expansion played out from Ottawa's perspective? Well, I think if you look at it, when when they went into that, uh, they they knew they were probably going to lose a goaltender because uh, Seattle was going to need some kind of young goaltending within its system. And I don't think losing Joey Decord by any stretch of the imagination uh, was ideal for them. Right. Uh, I think if, if going into that expansion draft, they felt that if they uh, dangled guys like uh, like if Jenny Dadenoff and um, Chris Tierney, that perhaps Seattle would see fit to um, uh, maybe take a veteran guy and and take a contract off their hands. Right. Um, I'm not convinced 100% that they want to lose Dadenoff. Uh, I am convinced 100% that they want to lose Tierney <laughs> and all of this. And I am not convinced 100% that they want to lose Joey Decord. So I think out of that trio, they really were hoping to lose Tierney. Because if you look at Tierney, uh, and I'm, I'll try not to drag on too long here, he doesn't fit into DJ Smith's program. Um I think Gord Wilson and I were talking about this last week, and I think he had six hits last season. Right. Um, in 56 games. You think you would run into guys 10 times, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And um, so that that's kind of where I think they were at on that one. Yeah. So- uh, losing Decord is an ideal, but they do have Gustafson. So we didn't see as much of it uh, in this expansion draft as we did uh, in the Vegas one. But do you think uh, Pierre Dorian considered making one of those side deals with Seattle to kind of hang on to Joey Decord? Or were they just just content to kind of let the process play out this time? Well, I think they tried to do a side deal. And I just think that the ask was too high. Right. And um, uh, I, I think what they, they wanted to do, uh, I think that from what I was told, and I wasn't given a name, but some other teams around the league told me that basically if you were, if they'd wanted to do, it, to do a side deal so that they, they took Tierney or Dadnoff, and again, right. I, I don't think they really wanted to lose Dadnoff, my, my expectation was they would have to have, to have given up one of their high-end prospects. <laughs> and um, I, I just don't – you know, I think people learned in the last expansion – uh, chirp that um, you know don't get don't give up too much you're gonna lose a player like you don't have any choice yeah and and look did was it Minnesota and Columbus that way overthought that process yeah last Florida time? too I think Florida got burned yeah. yeah yeah and ended up giving up really good players so I think that was the uh, that was the concern right so then uh, I guess you, you kind of alluded to this on Twitter in the aftermath of expansion, and you mentioned it a little bit uh, in your first answer, but what happens now with with a couple of the guys that were exposed? So Chris Tierney and Evgeny Dadnov, how, how, big of a, how big of a priority, I guess, is it to see what's out there for those two, or, or are they prepared to bring them both back? Well, I think what, what happens now is that um... – uh, certainly in Dadnoff's case, I think they're willing to give him a second chance. 
Yes, he was brought in to be the bumper on the power play, and it didn't work out that way. I think he had, what, one power play point? Didn't have any power play goals. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know if that was a comfort thing. Pierre Dorian mentioned that uh, he he did not uh, – he, he didn't have his family here. Maybe he just wasn't as comfortably in Ottawa as he should have been. Right. Um, so I believe that, that in, in that case uh, – uh, they are absolutely willing to give him the, another opportunity. As far as Tierney goes, I think there was some interest in, in him at the tet, at the trade deadline, and and you know maybe just maybe uh, chirp some of those teams that were interested in him at the deadline circle back. He's one year away from free agency. I wondered if a rebuilding team um, like San Jose might be willing to bring him back. Right. Um, you know, um, he, he, I, I, I thought that maybe uh, if you looked at where Seattle was, that he might be a center that interested that was an int- of interest to them. Um, maybe they circle back on him since they didn't take him in the expansion draft. So I think there are options out there. Uh, I think there's a possibility he does get moved, and 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 to me, that's that's more of a guy you have to keep an eye on than. Uh, than perhaps a guy like Dadnoff. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense. Maybe a little easier to move to as a, as an expiring contract. So we'll leave it there for the expansion draft and kind of transition into the entry draft. So so I, I don't know if you sat through that entire round two through seven on Saturday, but that was... Unfortunately, uh, I did. <laughs> it was pretty grueling. But on Friday night, uh, the Ottawa Senators obviously shocked the hockey world. And by the hockey world, I mean... Uh, the experts on Twitter. Uh, so at 10th overall, Trent Mann and his staff kind of swung for the fences a little bit, went a little bit off the board and take Tyler Boucher, the son of former goaltender Brian Boucher. I think people had him kind of pegged as a late first rounder kind of thing, but also there was some talk about teams in the middle of the first round that were interested. What was uh, what was your reaction to that pick? And did it kind of come out of nowhere for you as well? Well, look, I don't know um, what off the board means. I did um, maybe for my own um, peace of mind uh, check with two or three teams yesterday to see where Tyler Boucher would have gone if if the Senators hadn't selected him at 12. And uh, two of the three teams both said that he would have gone in the top 20. Uh, He would have gotten out of the first round that um uh that he's a good prospect uh he's he is as he's been described uh tough as nails and he's the kind of guy who should be able to help this team um you know it, it, i know that people are kind of ripping on them for not trading back uh and and getting maybe another asset in return but i think one of the things you have to realize is um you have to have another dance partner and you're also, you also are taking the risk of, of the player you want then going, well, then who do you go next to on their list? I really believe if, if, uh, is it Genther? Dylan, Dylan Genther? If Dylan Genther, I just didn't want to say his name wrong. If, if Dylan Genther had been there, uh, at number 10, then they would have taken Dylan Genther. Uh, I just think that uh, Boucher was the next guy on their list. Um, 
they went with uh, they went with Boucher, and um, and they 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 feel good about that pick. I, think, like, I, I see these draft ratings. Um, we used to do this, okay? We used to do this at the Sun, and we quit doing it because we we basically came to the realization that you have no idea what you're going to get for four or five years. And the other thing you have to realize is when you rely on other scouts to tell you um, – the only lists I trust are Bob McKenzie and and Craig Button. Uh, Craig Button is a former NHL general manager. He he does scouting. Uh, he is TSN's director of scouting. Bob has a great source of knowledge, sources of knowledge on the draft. He sees players himself. He goes to the World Juniors. Um, it, you know when you start grading drafts and it that then you don't know for five years. So I guess in five years, we're all going to have to go back and check to see if these grades are in fact of any sort of accuracy, you know? And and I think that's, like I say, we used to do it, you know, our boss, yeah, great, get a a scout to grade the draft. Other scouts would, other scouts would lie to you. They'd say, oh, they, you know, they did bad or they did good or they took too many. I remember one year a scout told me they took too many guys from college. Well, that scout didn't like college players. Like, you know, and so it, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, I don't know, um, I don't know how to put it. It, it, it can be a, a, is it fool's game or I don't know how to put it, but you know what I mean. Amongst- yeah, I mean, I think. I think people are really hung up on the, especially with the draft, hung up on the idea of this instant analysis and yeah. the, the need to react immediately. And it's just not a process that lends itself to that. Yeah. But there is a kind of an interesting trend developing where Ottawa's internal lists don't necessarily align with the publicly available list. Now, that doesn't mean one side is right or wrong. Yeah. But it does mean there's something different about the process there. Do you have any thoughts on what that is? What it is about Ottawa's process and what they're looking at with prospects that causes them to so regularly uh, kind of divert away from those consensus and publicly available lists? Is there something different you think they're looking at when they're evaluating prospects? Confidence in their scouting. You know, they, yeah. they, look, they've had some. They've had some very good. Uh, very good drafts. They've taken some very good players. They've they've got good prospects in the system. They've um, they've 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 filled their cupboards, so to speak. That that's what it's about. Chirp, like you know, um, you you look at at what they've done over the course. That they, they've got good prospects. Um, myself personally, I would have liked to have seen them take a few more defensemen. I think that that's an area that perhaps they could have bulked up on a little bit more. Um, but the, I, I think they just, they do their homework. They believe in their lists. As, as Trent Mann said, uh, they, um, they also, uh, they, they've asked the questions. They, they, they've checked what they consider to be all the boxes. And I do believe that this year was probably the worst year for any list. You know, you had 
how many hundreds of players in the Ontario Hockey League that didn't even play this year? This 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 draft was probably more of a projection than we've seen any draft in in its lifetime because you basically had a bunch of players who did, guys in WHL played what twenty games. Yeah, there's not a lot to go. Um, right? The top. The the top prospects played at the under-18s. Quebec League didn't let some of their players who were in the playoffs go away to do that. So, you know, it's it's, – this this one, by any stretch of the imagination, was – Probably the biggest stretch going. As yeah, far the other as thing I think went. that's happening a lot is a lot of those publicly available lists are strictly, if not entirely, based on like individual player production and potential. Whereas I think Ottawa seems to be putting more of an emphasis on maybe some of the human human characteristics of these prospects, things like character and work ethic and lineage and things that uh, things that maybe aren't being yeah. as factored into the public list, and that's because they they talk to these kids, right? Like they, they talk to the players, they talk to coaches, they talk to teammates and they're really, they really seem focused on the type of people they're bringing into the organization. And I think that's why you often see that kind of discrepancy between public lists and what they're developing internally. Yeah. And and look, I I think that um, I look at it like this uh, chirp. They are, um, how do I put this? Um, they have conviction, right? Do you know, like they—that's one thing I heard. I thought we heard from Trent Mann on Saturday night was they, you know, they have a lot of conviction in their list, and and they feel good about their list, and they 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 aren't going to stray from that list. And I I, I do know that when Genther, when when Dylan Genther got took, Boucher was the next guy on their list, yeah. so. They, they stuck with their list, and they didn't stray from it. And I think they they played a little bit of a fool's game, making everybody think that, hey, we might take a goaltender. Yeah, it didn't seem like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just thought after uh, – and I said this on our, our podcast or our, our, our panel with Gordon Dean. I said, uh, you know, after listening to Pierre Dorian just um, – uh, rhyme off the goaltenders in the system. I didn't think there was any chance getting a goaltender. And and and, and I, but I kind of got convinced. Well, maybe they might because you know he he put up enough names. I thought, well, you know, the going into the draft, I kind of got fooled too. Well, maybe they will take a goalie now. I don't think they ever had any intention of taking the goal. Yeah, it did seem maybe like they were they were setting that up a little bit, and I think a lot of that happens in the in the lead up to the draft, where where teams are trying to position themselves a little bit. But yeah, maybe we'll leave it there for the draft. I think in the end, it's it's all a bit of a well, crap you know, shoot, right? Well, exactly, and you know, I think that um, this wasn't the best draft going. So we'll know down the road just exactly what they got. But I, I look at it like, Chirp, that they are – they feel like they're in a good position. Um, they, they as we know, they, uh, they are they've, – they've done a good job where that is concerned. And so we'll see, you know, we, we, you and I will reconvene in, in five years – 
Yeah, after all the unparalleled success, and and we'll know if uh, if uh, if in fact this draft was as good as they say it is, or as bad as everybody else. Said yeah, it and I have a feeling right? if it's good, then the the Twitter scouts will not want to revisit the results. Yeah, and we'll we'll never hear about it again. But if it's bad, they'll be they'll be happy to remind yeah. everyone that Ottawa went up strayed from the public public lists a little bit. So we'll leave it there for the draft uh, and maybe talk a little bit about uh, free agency and the rest of the off season. So we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. Uh, most of the hockey world is still recovering from that debacle of a Saturday at the entry draft, but free agency is a couple days away now where I guess it's Wednesday is this is the start of unrestricted free agency. Yeah. We'll start with maybe a general question. Do you do you think it'll be busy around the league, or do you think more teams will be taking a a more fiscally responsible approach given the the current economic climate? Like, do you think it'll be busy around the league? Well, I think it'll be busy because it always is, and right. it's kind of like the trade deadline. People always say, "Well, this is this one's going to be a dud," and then it never is. So I I, I think that it will be a busy time. I think that that uh, teams will spend their money um, and they'll look at the situation and say, you know, we need help. Um, you know, how, how, uh, how active will the senators be in all this? I think that remains to be seen, but I, I, I think we're going to see the usual suspects go um, and, and spend money. What's interesting to me though, is how much will Jack Eichel, and the availability of Jack Eichel screw all this up, right? Yeah. Because we've sort of got to see that some teams are going to be, some teams are going to be involved in that Jack Eichel trade, right? Um, and the the teams that we're hearing are Anaheim, um, L.A., and the Rangers. And I don't think by any stretch of the imagination – they want him playing in New York. I, that doesn't mean that, you know, um, they won't, uh, that the, the Rangers aren't right in there as one of the teams, but I think that's going to be a real interesting one to watch. And, uh, you know, if, if any of those teams are going to make any, uh, kind of commitment to Jack Eichel, then they're not going to be involved in the, uh, in the whole sweep, in the whole free agent frenzy, because that's committing ten. The question I wanted to ask is: Do you think Ottawa made a call there? Do you think there was any interest? Oh, I think I think they made a call, and I don't think there's any question they made a call because they owe it to themselves to make a call and and see what the asking price would be. Chirp, but but I don't believe they'd ever be a serious player in a guy like Jack Eichel. I think they've got their own players to worry about. They want to get Brady Kachuk signed uh, to a long-term, you know, seven or eight-year contract extension. They've got Drake Batherson they want to get signed. You know, I could see Batherson maybe coming in at a, at a six-year deal if the, if the two sides could find the right fit, the right fit negotiations. So yeah, well, I think they probably showed interest in, uh, those in, in, in Eichel, I'm not sure it was really a realistic. Po- it's really a realistic possibility, and I, I just don't see that being a fit for them right now. Yeah, so I, I think that's 
That's probably where most people are at. He's kind of a player that would be nice to have, but in terms of where it fits cap wise and the assets you'd have to send the other way to make it happen, that maybe it's not, uh, it's not the time to push all their chips in the middle. So the, the big talking point, I guess, throughout the off season has been the search for a center. So on the first yeah. or second line and then a, a defenseman, do you think that's something they address through free agency or do, is that more likely through the trade route? And what do you expect there? How committed are they to, to adding those two pieces? Well, they are absolutely committed to adding both pieces. Um, and I think in certainly on defense, I think they were probably sorry to see Adam Larson go because I believe that Adam Larson was a guy that they were heavily interested in, in free agency. Um, and I think that he would have been a guy that they felt could have played with Thomas Shabbat and given them some valuable, valuable minutes. And, and I think without question, um, that's the kind of guy that they, uh, they, they would have looked at. Uh, I think the other guy who went to Seattle that again, I think would have fit their bill would have been a guy like, uh, Jamie Alexiak, a big tough right. player. And, and I think that, uh, you know, he, uh, a real possibility, you know, a guy who, who they would have looked at, you know, I think there's a guy like Alex Galagoski in, in free agency that perhaps, uh, they look at when, when that rolls around. So mm-hmm. there will be players available in free agency. My own personal feeling is perhaps they're, they're better off to, uh, to uh, go the the trade route, but uh, but I, I I think there's certainly a commitment to to make that happen. As far as yeah. center goes, I don't think they want a guy that they they make a long term commitment to. I think they just want a guy who, who's going to be able to to help them for a couple of years. So so Shane Pinto has time to develop. Yeah, and I think a couple of the names that have been floated around on that front are fit that description right so guys with with one year left on their deal and ryan strom or nazim kadri uh do you think that there's any traction on either of those two or are they likely gonna have to look elsewhere well i think they've probably i'm certain i'm certain they've called the rangers by ryan strom and i think that uh they're most certainly interested in ryan strom uh i don't know how much traction there is in those discussions i i think that he's a guy who would absolutely uh you know, on a short-term basis, fit the bill for them. Um, I think the other guy you're looking at maybe is, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Nazem Kadri. I think that uh, for that to happen, obviously, look, Colorado would have to be in a position where they want to move him. Um, I think that uh, who's the defense when they moved before um, uh, uh, before the expansion draft Graves? Ryan Graves. Uh, yeah, I think that allowed them per- to protect Caudry. Uh, okay. And so I'm not sure uh, how interested they are in dealing Nazem Caudry at this point. Yeah, okay. Look at the fit there. I mean, you, all you have to do is connect the dots. Played for DJ Smith in Toronto. If yeah. they make the playoff, if he helps Ottawa make the playoffs and – and, you know, Nazem Kadri gets suspended in the playoffs. Well, at least they made the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think they take that at this junk. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I that's the name I've kind of latched on to throughout the offseason too as kind of being a perfect fit just because it meets that criteria and it's also a short-term commitment and it's not necessarily yeah. something that uh, that yeah. will cost a big price. And if it doesn't work, they can flip them at the deadline. Like it did seem to to be a good fit. The, the other one uh, you have to name that you've got a circle here is a guy maybe like Adam Henrique. Um, right. And, and look, he's a big financial commitment. He's, I think he's a $5 million cap it. If I'm not mistaken for three more seasons. And I don't know that in front of me, but to me, if Anaheim is willing to eat some money there, that might be a guy. Look at the chemistry he had with Connor Brown and Nick Paul, just in the world championships. Yeah. Sure that alone would be something that, you know, would make them think about it. Right. Yeah, the the extra years there make me a little less comfortable, but I I could see why that uh, why that might be a fit. Um, the one thing I mean, I opened up the the mailbag on the website and got a, a lot of different questions, and we've covered most of it. And you did touch on it, but maybe we need to go back to the the Brady Kachuk yeah. contract. And it's we're not getting a lot from player or team. They're they're clearly committed to keeping that uh, under wraps until it's not, but. What is what is your sense of how that's going? Is that going? Uh, what is, what kind of timing? Uh, I know Dorian mentioned that he's kind of shifting his focus from the draft into to some of those negotiations. But how do you how do you see that one playing out? Well, look, I believe they've had good discussions. Uh, I think, uh, and they are keeping it tight to the vest. And yeah, and um, I think I believe they've had good discussions. I think that. Uh, certainly they, there are several options on the table. Uh, my guess would be from three years right up to eight years. Uh, both sides are, are talking about it. Um, you know, I think, I think it, the, the course of the next few weeks will be interesting for this organization. Um, and, and the steps that they take, I've heard, I've heard suggestions that, you know they're going to settle on a a three year bridge deal. They might, but I, I don't yeah. know that for sure. And I don't think that that's that even suggesting that right now anyone knows. Uh, I, I think that this is a situation where it's fluid. Um, could I see him not being a training camp? Yeah, I could see him not being a training camp. Um, hmm. So it could kind of could drag on a little bit. Yeah, I think you kind of have to follow the path that his his brother took too, right? Right. And and I'm sure he wants to make sure that if he's going to sign a seven or eight year deal, that there's going to be a commitment from the organization that they're going to put good players around him. And yeah, maybe he wants to see who they get as a center. Maybe he wants to see what they do on defense. You know, like yeah. So I think that that. That factor might be forgotten a little bit, but I think it exists. Yeah, so nobody really wants to talk about it because it's uh, it's kind of the boogeyman in all of this. But do you think uh, the offer sheet possibility is is on their radar or is a concern? Um, it seems like, I mean, not to give anyone ideas, thankfully nobody really listens to this podcast anyway, but uh, something kind of front-loaded, bonus-heavy, uh, Ottawa could be vulnerable to with Kachuk. Like I, I don't know if it's a, it's an organizational position, but I know I don't get the sense they're big on 
big money signing bonuses if they can avoid it. So yeah. uh, do you uh, think there's any chance of something like that uh, creeping into the discussion? Well, I think they'd just match, you know, and, and I, yeah. you know, I think they, I, I mean, sure it could happen, but my belief mm-hmm. is they, they would just match. And, and they would I, match. And it, yeah. And I, 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 to me, that would be the end of the discussion on that one. I, I, uh, it w- I don't think they love it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing it does do is 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 in the case of of Aho and Sebastian Aho in Carolina is it yeah. negotiate. You know, the Habs did the negotiation for him uh, for the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes. I, I guess that would mean someone did the negotiation for the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> Um, but I, I just think that that signing bonus element and the way the AHA one was structured is kind of the yeah the red flag to see what it could look like. That if somebody made it eighty percent signing bonuses all up front, that maybe that that they would want to match. But uh, whether or not they could, um, I, I think could become would, a concern. Like yeah, I think they would just match. I mean, you know, I really don't see that as is. Them not matching is really anything that's very realistic. There you go. That's all I wanted to hear on that. You can ease my concerns there. Uh, the, the other question that came up the most and the one that uh, I think this is your third appearance and the third time I've asked you about him, but Logan Brown, what's going to happen? What's your prediction for the next, uh, I guess, the lead up to the to the next season and what happens with Logan Brown? My guess would be that... Um, uh, some some of it might depend on what happens with Chris Tierney. Uh, if Chris Tierney gets traded, maybe that frees up a spot for Logan Brown. Uh, I, I think that they didn't expose him in the expansion draft simply because they see see him as an asset. I, look, myself personally, I feel it's time for both sides to move on. You know, it it it, it hasn't worked out for him, and it hasn't worked out for them, and I think. Logan Brown deserves a fresh start. But the, the one thing that Logan Brown has to do is he's got to stay healthy. And yeah. he hasn't got a whole lot of, uh, he hasn't got a whole lot of, um, it, you know, they're not going to get much for him, but we'll, we'll, we'll see here in the, uh, in the next few days or weeks, how this goes. Right. But my sense is that maybe if Tyranny's out of his way, he gets a better shot at being here. I'm sure if Pierre Dorian looks at it and says, geez, you know, it's hard to give up that size. It's hard to, you know, it, Pierre Dorian has always had great respect for his skills, his ability on the power play. Um, but I, I think that that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it there. And then uh, when you come on the podcast again in a few months, I'll ask you the same question. We'll see if, Sounds good. See if there's any new new developments on uh, on Logan Brown. But Bruce, it's a pleasure as always. I appreciate you taking the time during the busy off season. Hopefully you have some uh, some time off coming up before you break that yep. uh, Brady Kachuk contract signing. <laughs> right on. Thank you. And less than uh, it's less than 80 days till the start of the new season. So yeah, get some rest. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>